What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of TOJ Live. Uh, this is the first and 10 version. I'm sorry the schedule has been so sporadic, but uh, Zance and I will be back after it again tonight recording live. So that pod will be up tomorrow. This will probably be out uh, sometime Thursday, late morning, early afternoon. Uh, like I said, it's been a bit sporadic and I apologize. Uh, work schedule, family schedule, sick kids, all that good stuff kind of gets in the way. And uh but we're hoping to, uh, I'm hoping to get back after it. So I'll start with the first and 10 again, uh, some quick hitters here. My overarching thought here following the Giants game is, you know, I think we all have a lot of thoughts on that Giants game, but at the end of the day, four and three is four and three. I know it's cliche, but the old uh, Bill Parcells quote, you are what your record says you are. The Jets are four and three. And I think all things considered, even with Aaron Rodgers, we would have been happy with that. And four and three is a good place to be, despite how you got there. It's very easy to say. I know that Joe and Connor have said it. Like, who cares if you win two nothing? I've said it too. The, if a safety gets you there and you and you shut him out and you win two nothing and it's ugly, you'll take the W. That is um, easier said when uh, pregame or in the week leading up to it than when you're actually watching it because that Jets Giants game was was something else and it was it was difficult to watch at times. Um, but at the end of the day, the Jets are four and three, and they probably took the biggest blow you could ever imagine losing Aaron Rodgers four offensive snaps into that season into this season. So to deal with what they've dealt with with Aaron and the injuries to the offensive line and playing offensive line Jenga and musical chairs and all that, um, being four and three seven eight weeks in with the AFC looking the way that it does, I think before the season, we all thought that the AFC was kind of going to be a powerhouse. And I think, you know, the fact that they've beaten Buffalo, they've gone toe to toe with Kansas City and probably should have won that game. Now the Eagles are an NFC team, but they beat probably the best team in the NFC. I think you feel good about kind of being four and three and right now the eight seed and in the middle of the pack of what seems to be a, a conference that's not really separated by much. So at the end of the day, Four and three is four and three. You're happy with being there. Doesn't matter how you got there. You're there. You keep stacking wins any way you can. You just hope that moving forward, some of these wins look prettier <laughs> and look a little more, uh, a little better and are a little easier to watch every Sunday uh, than, than what last Sunday was. So now getting into the and 10 portion. The first, uh, I have to start with Zach Wilson. I tweeted out after the game that I really don't know how to feel. I think what's crazy is that the Jets didn't do anything else to prepare themselves for the Aaron Rodgers injury. And having Zach Wilson as the backup, I think, was a mistake. Having said that, and as bad as Zach Wilson has looked at times, he is still a very important piece. So the fact that they didn't make any moves at the deadline and they're still happy with Tim Boyle being uh, one play away from playing when they're clearly not ready to play him is kind of shocking. So as bad as Zach Wilson has been, it's still, you know, he's still very important to this offense and the drop off from him to Tim Boyle would be huge. And that's crazy to say. And, and you wonder where Trevor Simeon fits in all this, but that's neither here or here nor there, but that's the depth piece to their quarterback position was a mistake from the jump. And, um, and now we're dealing with the consequences. Now, having said that um, Zach Wilson's play on Sunday was not good. I've often said that I find myself and we find ourselves, I think clinging to a throw or two throws and, and clinging on to that hope 
Whereas in reality, you got to kind of look at the big picture and say, you know what, overall, it wasn't good. And did he make some throws on Sunday? Absolutely. When, when his back was against the wall and the way that he came back, um, the, the throws that he made to Garrett Wilson and Lazard and tossing the ball up to Malik Taylor is something that we all have been clamoring for as Jets fans for a long time. Just throw it up. Give your guy a chance because chances are your guy's going to make a play or you're going to get a PI call and maybe there's an off chance it gets picked, but at least you give your guy a chance to make a play. And, and he did it and it worked out. And that's ultimately what won the Jets the game in overtime. But for all those almost plays and good throws that he makes, there are still these head scratching plays you just wonder, and, and, and in the grand scheme of things, he just can't seem to get the offense going because outside of a miraculous Brees two-yard pass that turns into a 50-yard touchdown, the offense did nothing for, you know, 45 minutes. They did nothing. And that's alarming. And and really, that's not how it should be. I know it was a driving rainstorm. He had four drops. He had no running game. He had three-fifths of his offensive line missing. But at the end of the day, he still couldn't get it going. And I think he's done a good job of mitigating mistakes. I think the fumble on the first drive was obviously bad. you got to be able to feel the pressure. I think the fumbled snap from a first-time center taking a first-time snap in a driving rainstorm, obviously that's unfortunate. Can't put that on him. He hasn't thrown picks. I don't think he's thrown a pick in like 150 pass attempts or something. That's improvement where the improvement still needs to happen, which it's alarming in year three is where he continues to not be able to feel the pressure and thinks that he's got five, six seconds to throw back there. When in reality, you got two and a half. It just can't, it can't continue to happen. I don't know where the gap is. I don't know why he seems immune to throwing the ball away and out of bounds last year. And the first in his first season, he would scramble out right and feel the need to throw it back across his body over the middle of the field. And it would get picked. We saw it in that first New England game in 2022 this year, he escapes the pocket, but he seems like instead of making that bad throw back across his body, he's not just throwing it away. He's still managing to take a sack for whatever reason, the last play, what should have been the last play of the game for the jets was that sack to cave on Thibodeau that he took just throw the ball up. And, you know, I often make jokes about, you know, announcers that say, you know, the last thing he wants to do here is throw an interception. Well, you know, I, my, my response to that is, but on the last play, that was the second to last thing he wanted to do. So it's kind of funny, but on that play, literally the last thing that you want to do there is take a sack and an interception would be better because at least you would give your guy a chance to make a play. I don't understand why he wouldn't toss that ball up. So I'm really, I think Joe Caparoso made a good point where, Zach Wilson is what he is. He is who he is. There's not going to be, you're going to have games where he looks better. You're going to have games where he looks like he did on Sunday. We're just going to have to live with it. And you hope that you can sustain it until hopefully Aaron Rodgers comes back at the tail end of the season. Um, We're going to play with fire and it's going to, these, these games, we're going to have to grit them out. I think there is something to be said. I do on Mondays and Tuesdays, especially I often listen to the Michael K show. I think Don LaGreca has made good points where, there's something to be said for Zach being able to play freely when his back against the wall and there's nothing expected of him. And you, you saw it in the Kansas city game. They got down 17. And it's, it's like, you know what? Zach's like, we're playing with house money. I'm just going to go back and let it, and, and, and let it rip. And we'll see what happens there. The same thing can be said for, listen, there's 24 seconds left. This game is over. I'm playing with house money here. Can I just let it rip two throws? Boom. And you're back into it. Maybe there's something like that, but that is up to the coaches. That's up to Hackett. That's up to Sala. 
to tap into that and allow him to play like that for a full game. There's got to be something there. I think there's no question the kid can rip it. There's no question that the kid makes throws that maybe five people on this planet can make. But at the same time, you're also living with the fact that he just makes these and continues to make these dumb errors and take dumb sacks that he can't take in big spots. All right, that was a long number one. Moving on to, to number two, special teams. I think anyone can agree the Jets aren't four and three at this point without their special teams being the way that they are. I want to say without looking at stats, I think Greg Zerline has missed one field goal this year, which is incredible. I think Thomas Morstead is just absolutely lights out. Um, the fact that Thomas Morstead was uh, – <laughs> that Braden Mann was choven, chosen over Thomas Morstead last year is insane to me and, and remains – insane but i'm glad that the jets finally came to their senses and made the right decision this this year this guy is playing at an all pro level and he it was the best player on the field for the jets that last sunday and it's it's sad to say for a punter but he absolutely was that was a game of field position and he continuously backed up the giants um and their punt and, and their punt coverage overall the jets the, the special teams have just been great their punt coverage is insane as well and they're down their top two guys with justin hardy and uh, Irv Charles being out as well on Sunday and they still managed to do it and, and just did had a phenomenal game. So the Jets special teams has stepped up in a big way. Them being a top five unit in the NFL is one of the big reasons that they are four and three. Number three, uh, Bryce Huff, JJ, uh, Jermaine Johnson, Quincy Williams. I think these guys making that jump has been the differentiator as well on the defensive side of the ball. The Jets were a very very good defense last year down the stretch. They got picked apart in the middle of the field because they realized how uh, good the corners were. And maybe there was a soft spot in coverage. So it was almost like the jets offense couldn't, couldn't produce anything. So we're fine dinking and dunking and we'll get you, you know, we'll get our 17, 20 points and that'll be plenty as long as we can dink and dunk and just move the ball down the field in the middle. The difference this year is that Quincy is that much better in coverage. He is playing in an all pro level. He is, Good in coverage. He is a heat-seeking missile when going after a ball carrier. And Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson have been that much better and are a very, very good edge-rushing duo right now where they can push the pocket and absolutely demolish quarterbacks. Them playing to a level, a new level this year, but also playing above the level of any defensive player, really any defensive front seven player last year, is the difference between the Jets being a top five defense that faltered down the stretch to the Jets being maybe the best defense in the league this year. Number four, just the offense overall being stagnant. I, I don't know where the gap is. It, it feels like Hackett is still trying to find his footing without Aaron Rodgers and eight weeks in now, seven games in. I find that a bit concerning. I don't think he's got a good feel for play calls. It's not often that I feel like there are um, play calls that were there where the play was just missed. I think on Sunday, uh, Zach Wilson had Brees Hall in, a, in, in the flat for a screen and he threw it at his feet and that was a missed one. But I don't often feel like that's really the, the gap. Um, I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I don't study film like a lot of these other guys, but it just has that feeling to where – Hackett often struggles to find a rhythm and when good things do happen, he fails to build on them. I feel like often there's a, you know, a big, a 15, 20 yard play to, to Garrett Wilson. And then the next play is, is a run and they lose three or four yards. And now you're in a second, 13 second and 14 hole. I 
feel like the red zone offense has obviously struggled. I think the difference is um, between the Denver game, I felt he was too safe where they got into the red zone and he would go run, run past, and they kick a field goal. Um, in the Eagles game, I feel like they shot themselves in the foot there, so it was hard for for him to get in the rhythm in, in the red zone offense. But at some point, we got to figure this out, and I think that Hackett is a big part of the problem. I think still – Zach bears a lot of the weight on his shoulders with just overall play, but I still feel like it's on Hackett to figure this out and get this stagnant offense out of the basement because we really, um, we, we can't continue to watch an offense like this. It's not sustainable. Um, you know, you, you look at the schedule and you say that it softens up. We thought the Giants were going to be an easy game. And after Tyrod Taylor went out, you're thinking there's no way that Tommy DeVito is going to move this ball. And granted, the Jets defense didn't allow him to, but you were still in a 10-7 hole and almost lost that game with 24 seconds left. The offense has got to produce something. And the weather's not going to be perfect in every game. Um, the situation is not going to be perfect. Everything's not going to go in your favor. And it just kind of feels like right now, everything has to be the perfect scenario for the Jets offense to succeed. And that's just not sustainable. It's not going to happen in the NFL. So it's on Paul, or I always say Paul Hackett. It's on Nathaniel Hackett to figure it out. Uh, number five, the lack of moves at the deadline. So the Jets end up, Joe Douglas ends up signing Roger Saffold to the practice squad, um, probably going to elevate him. He's a 35, 36 year old guard. I think he, you know, five, six years ago, this would have been a signing that I was excited for. I still am relatively excited just because it's a depth move on the old line, which I think the Jets need. Obviously, I think it's it feels like a, a sick practical joke, the, the number of injuries that they've sustained, particularly in that position group. Um, the lack of moves, I think, was uh, Surprising and not surprising. I just don't think that Joe Douglas is going to be quick on that trigger. I think typically NFL trade deadline overall and the Jets specifically kind of fall short uh, every year in terms of excitement versus reality. But I thought a guy like Ezra Cleveland uh, getting moved for a six round pick, I thought that would have been a deal that the Jets could have made. Um, Things like that. I thought even the Donovan Donovan Peoples-Jones move, um, that's one that the Jets could have made as well. I know that Douglas likes his picks. I know that he likes to build through the draft. I think, you know, you look at the 2022 draft and and what he did with those picks, I think it's commendable. But um, I still thought the state of the Jets being four and three, despite everything they've gone through, I thought there were chances to add depth there. And it just kind of fell short. And I'm um, a little bit surprised that more wasn't done outside of the uh, the Roger Saffold move. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. So that kind of parlays into number six and offensive line Jenga. So it came back uh, yesterday that, you know, Robert Sala saying um, Dwayne Brown is a left tackle when he's good to play. I think you're going to see him slide over there. I am very happy with Mekhi Becton saying, listen, I missed two years of football. I just want to play. I don't care where you put me. Just get me out there. So when the line is back and quote unquote healthy, <laughs> um, you're going to see Dwayne Brown slide back in at left tackle. You're going to see Mekhi Becton go, go, Mekhi Becton go back to right tackle. Um, hopefully Tittman is healthy when he comes back. It'll be interesting to see if he plays right guard or if he slides in at center. I would think that he would go to center and then you probably slide Saffold in and, and chalk him up as a starting right guard. I think it's commendable the way that the offensive line played on Sunday, all things considered and what they're doing with um, their backups. However, that's where, my previous point about, you know, Douglas not making a move, I, I think it's it's a it's a huge uh, gross mistake relying on that um, to move forward. I, I would hope that their thought is Tittman is back either this week or next, and that bolsters the O-line a bit. But again, there's no guarantees here that the offensive line isn't going to sustain any other injuries. I mean, 
history showing that there's going to be a guy or two that's going to go down and it's, it's, you know, probably not going to be good. Um, So I think the offensive line is going to be key. I think that was, you know, and and credit to the giants defense. Um, They are a good defense. I think we made them look a lot better than they were, but they shut down the running game. So this offensive line and how it plays out is going to be key. But I think if you can get, Makai on the right side, uh, hopefully, you know, Schweitzer goes to IR, but if he's back in the four weeks, McGovern with a, a, a displaced kneecap, maybe he can be back in the four weeks, who knows? Um, but this offensive line is going to be key in how it shakes out. I would imagine they'd have, they'd have Dwayne Brown at left tackle. You keep Lakin at, at, at left guard, who has honestly been um, good this year. And you got to give him credit because last year he fell short uh, this year, he has been, I'd say above average, you put Tipman at center, you probably side in uh, Saffold at right guard, and then you got Makai Becton at uh, at right tackle. And I think Saffold's a good run blocker. So coupling him on the right side with Makai Becton, I think from a run blocking standpoint, opens things up for us and can get Brees Hall going. Number seven, uh, the running backs. I think it's past time um, that we make a move to see Izzy Abanakanda activated and Michael Carter, I, I don't know what, uh, either he – He's not active for game days or whatever the story is. I, I liked Michael Carter. I was a huge fan of his uh, in his rookie season. I thought he did a whole uh, a whole lot of good things um, in his rookie year. He faltered last year, specifically after that fumble against the Bills in Buffalo, and kind of lost out of favor with the offensive staff. But I really, he's just not providing anything that that any other running back on this roster can't do. And I would really, I'd like to see. Obviously more Brees, uh, but understanding he's still coming not even a year off of that ACL. And um, you you have to still consider taking it slowly with him. I would like to see Izzy as a second down back and then a mixture of, of Brees and Dalvin as a third down back because I, I I just I can't stand taking Brees off the field in important uh you know um very important game situations, but I would like to see Izzy activated over Michael Carter. That's really that's something that's gotta happen. I I commend this coaching staff for being self-reflective in a lot of areas, but this is one where I feel like they're missing the boat. I just feel like Dalvin cook doesn't have it. I feel like Michael Carter has even less of it than Dalvin does. And I feel like it's time to get Izzy Abanacanda out there to at least, uh, at least makes be able to make some plays in the running or pass game. Number eight, let's move along to the pass catchers. Uh, I kind of alluded to this before, but I think after Garrett Wilson, it really drops off. I really, I'm a big fan of Alan Lazard. I like that. He's a big body. He's made some really big and clutch catches. However, He's dropped some passes in some big spots too, where with this offense, like I said, everything has to kind of go perfectly for this offense to be successful. And so when Zach puts throws right on you, you got to be able to make those catches. He had two catches on Sunday that could have been converted first downs. Um, I think both of them were on third downs that he dropped and we just can't have that at this point. And I think the, the drop off from Garrett to the next guy is sizable and at some point defenses are going to begin to key on that. Now Garrett's good enough to be able to still find himself open and get himself 10 to 15 targets a game, which they absolutely should do. But at some point, these other guys are going to have to step up. So it's um, you know, the fact that they, the jets stood pat, I think is, you know, it is what it is at this point, but it, it shows you that they got the belief in guys like 
Xavier Gibson, Jason Brownlee, Malik Taylor to where maybe that's uh, that's what they're going to do. I, I know there's rumblings about Corey Davis potentially making a return this month. I, for one, would welcome it. I've always been a fan of Corey Davis's. I think he's a he's a good receiver. I think he can be a, a very um, a good piece if not relied upon to be the number one. So if he's in the number three role and I think he can kind of go outside in those three receiver sets and allow you the flexibility to put Garrett in the slot. I would welcome that. I'm not sure how true those rumors are. I know that some of the aggregators put it out. I don't know if you can ever really trust those guys. Um, but if if Corey Davis were to uh, to to get a comeback for uh, for this month, I would absolutely welcome him back with open arms. I think he would add a good dimension to this to this offense, and I think he's also kind of a safety net for Zach Wilson that we've seen um, over the past you know what two two years really in Zach Wilson's uh, in Zach Wilson's first two years. Um, number nine. You know, Salah and his his unwavering confidence in this offense is what he said uh, after a press conference. You know, I I admire Salah. I really do. I You won't find a bigger Salah defender. The fact that I have unwavering confidence in Robert Salah means that I will also have unwavering confidence in this offense. But I tell you, man, it is hanging by a thread at this point. I alluded to it earlier. Uh, Paul, Nathaniel Hackett needs to figure this out. Salah needs to figure this out. You know, he, he, he continues to say that the offense is this close and, and we're just not seeing it. Whatever they did in games like Kansas City and to a point like Denver, they need to figure out to be able to to copy that and sustain that and do it against inferior teams. The Jets should be a better team than the than the Los Angeles Chargers. They have to go out and show it. The weather looks okay on Monday night. Uh, the Chargers are not a good defense. They do scare you with Bosa and with Khalil Mack against the Jets offensive line. That is a patchwork old line at this point but they should be able to move the ball against the Chargers offense. So I hope that they can, um, I hope that they can really see it. Um, what I will end this with uh, is my, my number 10 is that, um, you know, I want to just reiterate that the Jets are four and three, be happy about it. Doesn't matter how they got there. They're four and three. They have a chance. You keep your head above water until hopefully Aaron Rodgers comes back. I think all signs indicate that he's going to make an attempt to, if the Jets can get him back in late December or week 16, 17, 18, whatever it is, and they still have a shot, crazier things have happened. I give credit to this coaching staff. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a farce that all of these players, Morstead, Rodgers, Lakin Tomlinson, all these guys after every game are talking about how special this locker room is, how tight-knit of a group it is. I think you see on social media how much they credit each other. There's something different about this team. There's something different about this group of guys. There's something different about the way that they have each other's backs. And Salah, give credit to him that he's built this the way that he wants to. And he's done that to where each guy will go to bat for every other 52 on that roster. You have to turn this into something special. So you can't waste it. You have an opportunity here. You've miraculously gotten to four and three. Could very easily be five and two if a call went their way. And if shit, if Sauce Gardner makes a pick six, I mean, you could be looking at the Jets being six and one with Zach Wilson, which is just, you know, insane. I mean, who, who, and, and honestly, seven and oh, I mean, we could play this game all day, right? Um, but you, you know, you, you never know. And I guess my point is that this locker room is special. This team feels different. The, the fight in this team, the way that they have each other's backs is second to none. Don't miss out on this. You can't have another season like last year where you build it up and, and get yourselves to seven and three, seven and four, whatever it is in November, and then crap out. You got to be able to sustain this. So they got to be whatever they have to do to figure this offense out to get themselves to 17 and 20 points a game. 
solely on offense. Get yourself from one offensive touchdown a game to two. That's it. If you do that, you will win more games than you will lose, and you'll buy yourself enough time for Aaron Rodgers to get back. I appreciate you all tuning in. I appreciate you all listening. Again, I'm sorry for the crazy schedule that it has been. I want to do these on a weekly basis. Zance and I will be recording today. Right now, it's Thursday mid-morning. Zance and I will be recording tonight uh, live on YouTube. That should probably that pod will probably be released tomorrow. Uh, if you don't already, make sure that you're subscribing to Badlands. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you're giving the other guys a listen. Make sure you're giving Buck a trend a listen, and make sure you're tuning in and uh, and subscribing to the TOJ podcast with Will Parkinson. Thank you very much. Appreciate your guys' time, and I will uh, talk to you all tonight. Hopefully, thanks.